Hey, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray we'd give you our hearts. If we have already given you our heart in salvation, I pray we'd give you our hearts every day. There is much in our hearts, a lot of pride, a lot of greed, a lot of other things. Um, I am so thankful that your Holy Spirit uh, melts hearts uh, like nothing ever can. Not a, uh, not a soft story, not a soft Valentine's Day, uh, but your Holy Spirit, supernatural power, not only melts, but changes and renews. My prayer uh, for me, people in this building, was that hearts would be renewed by your Holy Spirit, who is here with us, who we will see in your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your church. Thank you for the power that resonates from here, not of us, not by a group, but by you, Lord. Thank you for Jesus and what you've done. In his name we pray. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Thank y'all for, um, for taking communion uh, before the sermon. Uh, I hope that you use the time to, uh, to prepare your heart for God's word. Uh, if you would, please turn to John chapter 6. Uh, if you do not have a Bible, there are Bibles in the back on that table. Uh, you are welcome to take one home. It would be our gift to you. Uh, John 6, I'm going to read verse 25 through 40 uh, in a moment. Uh, Before I do, again, first Sunday of Lent, and we are doing a series in Lent called He Is. He Is. He being Jesus, and we want to see who He is. There are seven I Am statements that Jesus said in John, where Jesus said, I am this. Each Sunday, we're going to look at those statements, and as we look at them, we say, well, Jesus is this. He is. Uh, Today, we're looking at John 6, 35, where Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Uh, Now, before we get into it, I'd like to say this, you know, we walk through these doors, some of us do, or some of you do, and everybody either has challenges Challenges in relationships, challenges in life, challenges in family. I mean, it's kind of like pick your poison. There are challenges. Uh, Some of us walk in here and and we have comforts or we're longing for comfort. Be it a trip, be it a toy, be it a game, uh, be it a night out, be it a date. We're seeking comfort as we have challenges, and then we come in here and some of us, uh, if not all of us, uh, have times where we are very complacent. It's kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm at church, but, you know, I'm just, just, something just led me here. Well, I believe the Holy Spirit just led you here, but, you know, I, I, just, I just showed up. I mean, I'm just kind of just not into it or just kind of not into life. I'm just complacent. I'm just, you know, ho-hum. Challenges, comfort complacency. Uh, we all battle. And, and I want to say, because this is so important in this series, like, what's the point of, of this? As in God's word. What's the point of Jesus? This is very important to me because 
And we were talking about this in the basic beliefs class earlier. Like, Jesus matters for today. Jesus matters for uh, moments. It's, it's not simply eternity, going to heaven. Uh, it is in the midst of challenges. It is that we seek the wrong things to comfort us. Uh, it is answers to complacency. I mean, Jesus, Jesus matters. Jesus is life. And, and our, maybe our biggest challenge... Maybe our biggest problem is, like, we really don't know Jesus. We really don't know that he matters so much. Like, we've, we've got our challenges, let's say, divorce or separation or death or longing, seeking comfort, have fun all the time, or we're just like, just kind of like blah or blasé on life. Jesus has an answer. And so my goal, I say all that, my goal in this series, in this Lent time, is to see Jesus, to savor Jesus, to see and savor Jesus. A lot of us know Jesus like we know the friend requests we get on Facebook. Anybody on Facebook here? You should raise your hand. I'm on Facebook. Facebook, Facebook. Come on, there's more Facebook folks here. Yeah, thank you. Okay. A lot of folks say, you ever get that friend request? Like, who is that? If you did, say amen. Amen. Okay. Um, so I'll get a friend request. Who is that? So I'll, you know, okay, friend of so-and-so, I'll accept him or her. Now, I'll look on the person, you know, at the person's page, not always, but, you know, I, then I can immediately know uh, a lot of times their birth date, uh, a lot of times if they're you know, married or not, a lot of times what they do. I can know a lot by just looking, see the pictures or see, oh, here's he or she posted this. I mean, I can kind of know about them, and I don't know them at all. That is, I think, the biggest challenge of ministry in the Bible belt, and we are in the buckle. I mean, everybody knows all these things about Jesus. I mean, you can just list them down. And yet, there's not a strong sense of like, like knowing him intimately, where he melts your heart and he changes your heart. And it impacts the way you act with people. And it changes not just your heart, but relationships. And that's tough. Everybody knows. I mean, everybody knows the, the deal, but we don't really, and we don't really, like, know Jesus and seeing him and savoring him. So, that is what the series is all about, to prayerfully see and savor Jesus more. Now, the good news is we're all on this road together. Me too. And I came across a verse this week, and I love, I want to put it up on screen. It is 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3, 18. Stay in John 6. If you've got a pen, write this down. I'll read this verse. Look at it. Paul says... And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Uh, I love this verse. I love it because Paul says, we all Christians, brothers and sisters, with unveiled face. He's talking about Moses who came to the Lord with a veil. Now there's no veil. We see clearly Beholding the glory of the Lord, Jesus, are being transformed into the same image 
I wish, I hope that might resonate with you. The same image of the Lord and gets from one degree of glory to another. So even if we are here and, and we know like the Facebook facts, I'll just say that, of Jesus, we're still being transformed one degree to the next together to His glory. And that is an awesome journey. That is an amazing adventure. And it happens, Paul ends, for this comes from the Lord who is spirit. So he's doing that. He's taking us on this journey. And if you're a Christian, we talked about this in class too. It's called sanctification, the Holy Spirit leading us from one, I love that, one degree of glory to the next. That's what's happening. So, John 6, seeing, savoring Jesus. John 6, and we'll start with verse 25 and just brief context. The Gospel of John, just about every chapter, there's an event that Jesus does and then there's an explanation. For example, Jesus baptized John 1, then there's an explanation about him. Nicodemus comes to Jesus in John 3, John 3, 16, he's talking, there's an explanation. Jesus turns water into wine, event, then there's an explanation. There are miracles, then there's an explanation. And here in John 6, we're just coming... After Jesus has fed the 5,000, miracle. After Jesus has walked on water, controlling nature. And here we're getting into an explanation of who Jesus is from Jesus himself. So we pick up verse 25. I'm going to read all of it here. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus is talking about himself. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Uh, now, what does that mean for us today? How can we see Jesus more for our lives today? How can we savor more of what the Lord has done for us, for you, personally? And if you get that, it changes everything. It changes how you read the Bible. It changes how you act with one another. Changes how you act coming to church. 
What's going on? Well, first, these, uh, these people have followed Jesus. Why do they follow him? Because he performed a miracle and he gave them food. Starting verse 25, really through 27. Now, you could really break this whole passage down into two parts. Part one, I would say the responsibility of man or people or humans. Our chooses, our choices. Part two, really verse 37 through 40, it's God's will and action. And it's going to be important to see these two. It's it's kind of like two sides of the same coin, but we begin and we see man's decisions and mistakes, I would say, and then we close with God's power and will. It's very important to see that. I'm going to break it up, okay? So these people are following him, and the people ask Jesus these questions, and they represent three traps that we can fall into to this day. Like right now, three traps. Uh, the first one is they're saying... Um, Verse 26, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. So Jesus is saying, you're not coming to me for me. You're coming to me because I gave you some food. And so trap number one is, we come to Jesus because we get fed. Now that's a churchy phrase, but I'm not talking about uh, like biblical feeding. I'm not talking about, you know, I get fed at church. I'm talking about we come to Jesus because he gives us our human desires. And, again, here in the buckle of the Bible Belt, Jesus can give us a lot of that stuff. Uh, for example, like we'll go to Jesus because maybe when we look and act real Christian, we get a lot of approval. You know, maybe we go to Jesus because we get a whole new friend set. Maybe we go to Jesus because you know, we get these great relationships now. Maybe we go to church you know, simply for relationships, and I'm a big believer of that, but what if you just... You could go to Jesus and you just got him. Could we do that? Because he's saying here, you come to me, folks, because I'm feeding you, literally. I'm I'm giving you what you want. That's why you're here. It's not because of me. So a big trap we fall into is that we go to Jesus to fill our own heart or physical desires or needs. Felt needs. Like, what if we don't get any of that? I mean, that's good to a point. You know, but then cancer hits and there's a bad diagnosis. Uh, Then you've given everything to save the marriage and the spouse still walks out. I mean, we can go to the felt needs to a point. Only to a point. And here Jesus says, you're not coming to me for me. Again, see and savor Jesus. We know the Facebook facts. What has Jesus done? That's trap number one. Trap number two is that we go to Jesus and we think we can work to him. We go to him out of duty. I talk about rise with God plan. I say, you know, do these, do these readings. It'd be great. And then what I, what I don't want is people to get in their mind, well, I've got to read the Bible. I've got to do my rise with God, you know, because that makes me a good Christian. Or maybe that's how I get to God. So we come to Jesus and we're like, well, yeah, he'll save me if I do this. So we do it out of duty. Like, where does it say that? Verse 28. They said, and what must we do to be doing the works of God? Verse 29. Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. 
Trap number one, we go to Jesus to get our needs met or fed. Trap number two, we think that out of duty or out of work, we'll get God. And Jesus says, that's not it. It's about the work that God has done, that you believe in him. And then trap number three is that it is never enough. Track with me here, okay? Uh, The felt needs deal, it's never enough. We always need more. We always need more relationships or different relationships. We always need to feel better. Trap number two, we can keep working and working and working until we burn out. And then here, trap number three, it's just never enough because verse 30 says, the people said to him, what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? Jesus has just fed 5,000 people. He just did a miracle. The point here is they're asking him again for another sign. It is never enough because of our human sin. We want more and more. It's like, that's great, Jesus. You did that miracle yesterday. Hey, do another one. And then the next day, do another one. Hey, hey, please wow me again, Jesus. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. This is actually another trap we can fall into as well. We follow a person, not Jesus. Because they say, hey, you did this miracle, but remember way back Moses, and even though like Moses had probably some of the most difficult leadership challenges in the Bible, you know, like the people just would not follow him. But now he's revered to this point. And they say, well, Moses did this. And look what Moses did. And Jesus says, yeah, God used Moses, but it's not about Moses. Moses didn't give you the bread, but God did. The true bread from heaven. And look, verse 33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world gives we can easily read by this gives life to the world so Jesus is now talking about himself but he's also talking to us he says world it's global that we should go to our neighbors and to nations and say we're always going to want to get fed sometimes we're not going to get fed we're always going to have this thing that we haven't done enough and we need duty and responsibility Uh, it's never enough for us So the gospel is, which means good news, turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Say this over and over again. If you came to Jesus and just got Jesus, would you come to Jesus? Like, and you didn't get his benefits. Would I? Turn around on me. So Jesus is saying, and then verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. That's the key verse for us. It says, I am the bread of life. Uh, let me be very clear on this, okay? Jesus is, um, he's not saying we will never hunger spiritually. He is saying that spiritual hunger that we have uh, will never be fully fed until we turn to him. And we try to fill, a, I'm going to call it a spiritual hunger because it's a void there. And I see this over and over again in people I counsel and pastor and mentor. There is a void. And we try to fill it in three ways. Approval. If I can just get these folks to like me. And that doesn't just happen in high school. Comfort. Well, just, you know, have as much fun as I can or be with as many fun people 
or power. I want to have a say in this situation. I want to have a say in these relationships. We fill spiritual voids with approval, with comfort, with power. Jesus is saying, you come to me, you will not hunger. Look at this. He says, come to Jesus. And then he says, believe in me, shall never thirst. That's interesting. Track with me. He says, come and believe. Go to Jesus. So like when you are seeking, whatever it is we seek, be it approval, be it comfort, be it power, when that void is happening, when that spiritual hunger is coming, when you're like thinking, man, I, I need this, he's like, come to me, come to my word. And when you believe in me, you will never thirst. He is clear. He is clear. Turn to him. But then, verse 36, he says, many of you have seen me and yet do not believe. We'll end that portion, because that's, that's like man's side, man's responsibility. Because Jesus offered it to him, and a lot of folks don't believe. A lot of folks now, Jesus offers himself to them, they don't believe. So like, what's got to happen? Like, what has to happen for someone to be saved? What has to happen for someone to get heaven? What has to happen for all those needs to be filled in a, in a deep and abiding way? God has to come to them. And not just in Jesus, but God's work and hand through the Holy Spirit has to come upon you. That's why it is, we call it accepting Christ. That's why we call it receiving Christ. That's why we call it melting the heart. That's why we call it letting God in. You've got to let God in. And I would even say, even the letting that you do, He does it. We just don't even realize it. Because that's what He says in the next couple of verses. Look at this. And this is real. I cannot stress how important this is, these next couple of verses, Okay. Verse 37 through 40. So, there's no football season. I think basketball has the all-star break. Um, and some of you may be hungry. Please, stay with me here. Verse 37. Jesus says, All the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Verse 38. I have come down from heaven not to do the will of my own, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. It says five very important things for your life in those three or four verses. I'm not good at math. The first one is, God, put it like this, when you're saved or when you're baptized like at Easter, God has given you to Jesus. Let me say that again. God gives you to Jesus. You're like, what do you mean? That's what Jesus just said. All who come to me, the Father gives them to me. The second thing is, so when you go to Christ, actually God brought you to Christ. Like there is this uh, level, there is this plane, there is this world, there is this orchestration that we cannot see. You call it supernatural, you call it things of the Spirit, whatever it is, that God is at work amongst us. Uh, the boundaries of like heaven and earth are, are closing in, and I believe that literally. And so God is orchestrating and moving you to Jesus. When you decide that you're going to go to Jesus, God is doing that in your life. I didn't just say that. Jesus said it. He said, the Father gives to me. So when you go to Jesus, God brought you. God orchestrated it. 
It also says in there that no one will be lost. Uh, Dr. Jack Morard and I were talking about this today. We're talking about this morning. It's, it's, there's, a, um, there's a saying about this. Uh, I'm trying to put it in the best way I can. Basically, you can't lose your salvation. If, if it's real, someone said, well, what about Judas? He was never saved, okay? He was used by God in the plan. But you can't lose your salvation. Like, well, what, what makes sense? Jesus just said it. He said, I will lose no one. They are kept. If you're saved, you're kept. I have talked to more people who, who freak out about this. If, and it troubles me. You can't lose it. And then he says, the fourth thing is, you will be raised up on the last day. We sang this at the beginning. Death has been overcome. Uh, one of our biggest idols is, you know, creating the perfect body, perfect figure. Uh, and all of us can fall to that predator, okay? Where we're like, man, I got to look like this. And I, I really feel, you know, feel so negative sometimes towards culture because of the things they try to put on. I mean, it's, the only way you'd achieve it is like if you work out six hours a day, and, and some of us may try to do that, you know, to, to have this perfect, you know, and, and diet and all this and just trying to create this perfect body. We'll have a perfect body when you believe in Christ. Be raised up to the glorified body. Jesus says it right here. And then the last, say point number five, in these very powerful points, is that Jesus is doing this to follow his Father's will. Now you're like, what's the big deal of that? God has a will. God has a plan. He is sovereign, and he is carrying it out. And Jesus says at the end, this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And then again, I will raise him up on the last day. Y'all, y'all like really need to know this. He says, bread of life, whoever comes to me will never hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. And then he says, when you come to me, actually God brought you to me. And then he says, and I will never lose you. And then he says, and you'll be raised up on the last day. Oh, and by the way, all this is in God's will, so you're part of his plan that, yes, is sometimes mysterious, but always awesome, and he's carrying it out, and Jesus is the biggest part of it. And we don't really get that. You're like, what do you mean I don't really get that? We don't get it because we're caught up in the humdrum of life, which can be very important, but yet when you see anew that, oh man, God has this plan for my life, and God led me to Jesus, and I'll never lose Jesus because he'll never lose me. And oh, he'll raise me up. And I have this, this plan that will go on forever. It changes your worldview. It changes how you act with people. It changes how you look at things in your life. It changes how you read the Bible. It changes some of the petty things that we think are petty and we get caught up on. It is different. And I want that for Bellwether Church. Does anyone desire that? Thank you. One, does anyone desire that? Amen. Now, let me say this in closing. Because it is a clear invitation by Jesus here to come to him and you won't hunger. Believe in him. You will never thirst. And we thirst so much. We hunger so much. We're like, God, give me the perfect one. You know, if I'm single, make it work out. Or, or God, my son or my daughter is straying. I mean, it, he is a disaster. Help him. Or my marriage is... My marriage just sucks, Lord, just please. Or, you know, I'm facing death. And I mean, Lord. Sound familiar? 
Jesus says, come to me. Jesus says, believe in me and I will change everything. Don't take it from my word. Take it from the Bible. Take it from his words. And when you do, you will be kept. And when you do, you will be raised. And when you do, you can trust that it is in the Father's plan. And he's orchestrating it all. He's orchestrating why you're here right now. If you're a Christian, your life is no longer your own. It really never was. So I would say, simple. Come to Jesus. I mean, just come to Jesus. That's really all I can say. I mean, I know the felt needs. I know the hungers. I know the thirst. I have them too. They never end. They're still there. What we do is we turn and we trust in Jesus' work. And we kind of let it go. And trust in him. Knowing that he has a plan. So what I want to invite you to do, we're doing it different. No communion now. Remember, we did it at the beginning. We're going to worship. We've got a couple songs. We can worship, but you can also, and I would invite you, come to the altar if you prefer. Pray at your seats. Just come to Jesus, wherever that is. The altars are open. I mean, I would love to see a church where, you know, people are just fearless. Because, you know, often in churches, you know, it's like, well, everybody's going to think, you know, man, just things hit the fan in that marriage or in that life. You know, don't worry about that. Don't don't worry about that. We We are all a mess. Right, sweetie? Amen? Amen. Yep. Okay. Thank you. So we should be like, I mean, Christians should be the most humble and the most thankful people in the world. Because we humble know that we didn't save ourselves. We're thankful because of what God's done for us. And it can just be, it can be, it can be life. So come to Jesus, however that looks to you, in worship. Whether you raise hand or don't raise hand, come to the altar, pray. Come to Jesus. Receive him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that your invitation is clear. Thank you that you know these felt needs in our heart and you transform them to your glory. So I pray that we would all come to you right now in prayer, in worship. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.